Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. If you are a guest with us today, my name is Will Demetro, and I have the honor and the privilege to be the pastoral intern here at Ebenezer. I never grew up in a church learning most of the Bible stories that have been presented here so far. But the two I did know growing up was two of them. One, Jonah, and two, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And because these were just such popular stories, I really want to show, share with you guys specifically the parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you brought a Bible, flip it open to go- the Gospel of Luke in chapter 10. If you don't know where that is, Luke is in what we call the New Testament part of the Bible. And to get there, you have to flip approximately three-fourths into your Bible. But before I dig in, I'm just going to say a quick prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we are so thankful for who you are. Today, Lord, we ask that you come into our hearts and that you will speak to us through the words that I have to say. But in order for me to do that, I pray that you make me less so that you might become greater, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. So, the Good Samaritan. Let's start in Luke verse 10, 25. Luke 10, verse 25, and what I'm going to call the prelude before Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan and the significance for us. So, let's read starting in verse 25. One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him a question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Wanting to justify his actions, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Okay, there is a lot here. First, when the religious leader asks, What should I do to inherit eternal life? This religious leader here is not asking about how do I get to heaven when I die here on earth, but rather, how do I join in on this kingdom of God here on earth right now. And how Jesus is going to answer this question will reveal to his audience what it means to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us that life in the kingdom of God starts now, and how it starts is by loving our neighbor as ourself. And we're going to get to that in a moment. So these experts in the religious law ask, Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? A fair question, but not from these guys. These experts of religious weren't experts of religion weren't asking Jesus some honest questions. Their purpose was actually to put Jesus to the test. But friends, Jesus answers this question so brilliantly. Life in the kingdom starts when we say yes to Jesus. And if we love our neighbor, we are going to live in the kingdom. But for these religious leaders, it was not enough. As they say, and who is my neighbor? In this day, a Jewish man or woman had a very narrow definition of who their neighbor was. It's really interesting. For them, their neighbor was literally only their Jewish friends. Now, for you, I want you to take some time to think about who is your neighbor? You see, the word we have, we find neighbor in the Greek is this word called pleision. Pleision literally means 
Whoever is near you in your position in any given time is your neighbor. So when Jesus asks who is my neighbor, he will go on to explain what exactly a neighbor is. He goes on to tell this brilliant parable that I think has so much relevance and application for us today. So together, let's join our hearts and read the parable of the Good Samaritan starting at verse 30. Jesus replied with a story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and then he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. And Jesus said, Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes. Now go and do the same. Interestingly, some scholars think that the parable of the Good Samaritan isn't actually a parable, but a real-life story that actually happened. And if that's true, it goes to show that the parable of the Good Samaritan is such a powerful story, that Jesus had to share to demonstrate something super important. Nonetheless, there is a downside to the story. It's that we can easily domesticate the parable of the Good Samaritan and skip over it really easily. We might see the story, oh, how nice, the Samaritan showed lots of mercy and compassion, that's awesome. But I want to say, this isn't actually a good, feel-good, or a giddy story. In fact, scholarship suggests that what's tied into the story includes racism, unjust hierarchy, and economic tension. And scholars also suggest that the Samaritans and Jews specifically had deep racial strife towards each other. And to each other, they were the bad guy. To the Jew, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. So let's work through the story line by line. Jesus says, A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was 17 miles, and the road was actually known to be notorious for robbers to come and steal stuff, and to leave you half dead. In fact, half dead actually means that you were in a state of grievous injury or ill health, even perhaps on the verge of death. This is a vivid picture of the brutality of this robbery. This man was half naked, half dead, and was surely going to die. But the next part of the scriptures say this, By chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed onto the other side of the road and passed him by. But a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there but he also passed him by on the other side. See, there are two men who walk by this man who is deeply wounded and about to die. First, it's a priest who works in the temple of Jerusalem, and second, a temple assistant who also worked in the temple of Jerusalem. You see, these two men were considered important, especially the priest. 
it was a high calling to be a priest in the temple of Jerusalem. More than likely, the priest and the temple assistant would be on a two-week shift in Jerusalem working at the temple, and then they would go home to their family in Jericho for two weeks, and then add that 17-mile trek between Jericho and Jerusalem. And interestingly, the Torah was very clear that if you touched a dead body, you were unclean for days. Some scholars point out it was more than likely that both of these clergy members were carrying food to feed their family. And if they risked to touch that dead body, that food would also become unclean. So let's think about the situation logically here. If we're walking on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and we see this man who might be dead, we're not sure yet, but what's at risk is we will lose days to be with our family, we will be without food for our family, or on the other hand, we will be extremely late for our shift in the temple and we will lose money from the tithe offering. In those days, the clergy were paid based on a direct tithe to them week by week. And keep in mind, this road was fairly busy, and these two clergy members probably thought, well, surely someone else will help them. But I mean, don't we do this? At least I know I do. And to be quite honest with you guys, I, I've been wrestling really hard with this teaching because it's really radical. And I was convicted because I know I've been right in the shoes of these two clergy members. For example, I've walked by a homeless man looking for help. I've driven by people who've had a car breakdown on the side of the highway waving for help. And I knew for myself that I had the resources to help in both of those circumstances. But my thinking was this, oh surely someone else will take care of them, but not me. And I really think that the priest and the temple assistant justified their actions of not having compassion on this man, and honestly I kind of get it. But in the story, there is a third man who walks by. It is a Samaritan. And as we talked about, the Samaritan is viewed as the lowest to the low to the Jew. If I told the first century Jew that I was preaching on the Good Samaritan, they might say, a Good Samaritan? No such thing. So let's keep reading through the parable of the Good Samaritan. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. You see, despite the racial tension, hierarchy, and economics that were likely at play, the Good Samaritan shows us in Jesus' eyes who our neighbor is and what loving our neighbor looks like. The Samaritan immediately rescued this man without hesitation. He soothed his wounds. He put this man on his donkey and walked him all the way to an inn where the suffering man could recover with food, comfort, care, the list goes on. Not only the Samaritan went out of his way and wasted a whole day to help this man out, but he gave this innkeeper two silver coins. This real currency was actually called denarii, and essentially one denarii equals one day of our living wage. So he gave them two denarii. So whatever you make, multiply that by two. And on top of this, the Samaritan tells the innkeeper that if the bill costs more, he will pay it. And so Jesus finishes the story and he answers the religious leaders who just asked them, who is my neighbor? Through the story, what we see is that Jesus says to these religious leaders now, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who attacked the bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. I want you to think about this. 
Are you more like the clergy members who walked by the man who needed help? Or have you been more like the Good Samaritan who takes up the call to show mercy? I want you to think about that. You see, the Samaritan took up the task to show compassion to the man in need. And compassion is simply love in action. The story reveals to us that there are no limits who our neighbor is. No cultural limits, no racial limits, no hierarchical limits. Anyone can be your neighbor. And I really think we need to hear this in our current cultural moment. Tim Keller, in a book called Generous Justice, brilliantly puts it this way. We instinctively tend to limit whom we exert ourselves to. We do it for people like us and for people whom we like. Jesus will have none of that. By depicting a Samaritan helping a Jew, Jesus could not have found a more forceful way to say that anyone at all in need, regardless of race, politics, class, and religion, is your neighbor. For this religious leader who asked Jesus this question, note, he said the one who showed him mercy. Two things that went on here. The religious leader knew right away that the Samaritan was the one who loved the neighbor. And two, it's possible that he couldn't even say it was a Samaritan because of the radical racial tension. But Jesus, he seeks to crush these racial barriers because anyone can be your neighbor. And I really think that's what Jesus is getting at. The answer to this question is who, who is your neighbor is anyone. And the way that Jesus presents this is anyone, actually, it seems to be whoever God puts at you at any given time. And for these three men we see in the story, they're all presented with the exact same opportunity to help this man out. But I want to suggest all three perceive the situation differently. For the priest and temple assistant, what they saw when they crossed paths with this half-dead man was risk, not worth it, unimportant, time, below them, the list goes on. But what the Good Samaritan saw was different. He saw a need. And because of this, this led him to action, to show love to this man who was desperate. Martin Luther King Jr., who was well known for activism, for black rights in a nonviolent way in the mid-20th century, who was actually a pastor called at a he was actually a pastor at a church called Ebenezer Baptist Church. It's, it's kind of cool, I guess. Says this in a book called Strength to Love. I imagine that the first question the priest and Levite asked was this. If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But by the very nature of this concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? You see, how we perceive others is important. And without a doubt, the Good Samaritan shows the example of how God wants us to perceive and then react to others. So if we want to learn to live in the kingdom of God, which is now, then we have to love our neighbor as ourself. And we get such a powerful display of love we find right here in the story. The Good Samaritan placed love before everything, prejudice, opinion, work, time, energy, money. The Good Samaritan teaches beyond question who our neighbor is. The Good Samaritan gave his heart, his compassion, his all in order to help a desperate man. Love means moving towards others. It is not convenient. And the reality is how you love others is a clear indication of how you love God. John in his first letter puts it this way, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they've seen, they cannot love God whom they have not seen. 
1 John 4.20. So if we want to live like Jesus did, we have to show compassion to whoever God sends to us in our life, no matter who they might be. And again, I want to say this definitely includes me, because my heart really needs work on this. I want to say that when I see a homeless person on the side of the road in need, asking me for money or my time, I want to be able to give him money, buy him lunch, clothe him, tell him about Jesus. Because one, that just seems like the kind of compassion the Good Samaritan shows. And two, I actually have the resources to help in that situation. I think that the direct application of the story is we all need to redefine who our neighbor is and to seek a new radical way of loving others. A way that is not defined by unjust standards, but only defined by God's standards. Standards that are often upside down to our own. Dallas Willard puts it this way. In the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus not only teaches us to help people in need more deeply, but he teaches us that we cannot identify who has it, who is in with God, who is blessed, by looking at the exteriors of any sort. That is a matter of the heart. There alone, the kingdom of heavens and the human kingdoms, great and small, are knit together. Draw any cultural or social line you wish, and God will find his way beyond it. You see, redefining who our neighbor is starts with our heart. And the way of Jesus is quite different than the way of this world. So, here are four takeaways from the parable of the Good Samaritan that I think we cannot miss. And the first is this. Anyone can be your neighbor, even our enemies. As I said, the story isn't a happy story. And if we want to take this Jesus thing seriously, we have to be willing to love everyone, even our enemies. Jesus puts it this way. You have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that way you will be acting as true children in your Father of Heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and unjust alike. Matthew 5.43-45 Anyone can be your neighbor. It's all about who you cross paths with and who God puts before you. For the Samaritan, his responsibility was to take care of a half-dead man who happened to cross paths with him. Anyone can be your neighbor. And the second point is this. We cannot justify not loving our neighbor. We cannot ignore or justify the call to not love our neighbor when God presents someone to care and love for right in front of our eyes. I think we have to remember that it was the clergy who were the ones who did not show compassion. The ones who missed the point of loving the neighbor. The ones who justified not loving our neighbor. You see, just because we're sitting at the Sunday service, or because I'm preaching the Word of God does not mean I am automatically in right standing with God. It was the Samaritan who showed compassion. It was him who showed true love to this man who needed help so desperately. So the takeaway is this. We cannot, justi we cannot not justify loving someone in desperate need because you are busy or because you have more important things to do. There is nothing more important than loving your neighbor. Jesus puts it this way in the Gospel of John. Jesus puts it this way in the Gospel of John. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus says in John 13, 34 to 35. And the third, 
how we should love is displayed by the Good Samaritan. When the religious leaders asked Jesus, who is my neighbor, as in who should I love, it was this story that Jesus specifically used. What the Samaritan did sets precedent on how we must treat others, especially those in need, seriously. And our fourth point, we must love in action, compassion. I'm not going to tell you a five-step process on how you can go and show compassion today. In fact, I actually have a feeling that you might have something in mind on how you can show compassion to someone. I say this because there are so many moments in our lives where we can either choose to show compassion or choose to turn the blind eye. If you want to be serious about this Jesus thing, you have to go out and love in action. And again, I say this to myself too because my heart doesn't need work on this as well. But love isn't just for those we love most but for those we might hate the most too. John again puts it so brilliantly in his letter. He says, Dear children, let's not merely say we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Let us show the truth by our actions. So, if there is someone who God has put before you, you may, who you may have been putting off showing compassion to, you should go and love in action. So, now that we've worked through this whole story, I think it would be quite suiting to read the whole thing out once again. So, before we do that, let's quiet our hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to speak into us where our heart is at with loving our neighbor. Let me just pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you reveal to our hearts where we have fallen short and who we have fallen short to loving. We pray that you reveal to us our own shortcomings whether it is seeing others lower than us, maybe because of their skin color, their occupation, their cultural differences. God, you know where our heart needs work. So please, Lord, as I read the scripture out once again, help us understand it. And Holy Spirit, convict us, inspire us, and Jesus, allow us to become more like you in result of this teaching. So help us as we read this together. Amen. Let's read the parable of the Good Samaritan, but this time I'm going to read it in the message version. <laughs> Just then, a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? Jesus answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you will live. But looking for a loophole, he asked Jesus, and how do you define neighbor? Jesus replied by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down to the same road, but when he saw him angled across to the other side, a Levite, a religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, took him to an inn and made him comfortable. And in the morning, he took out two silver coins 
and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on the way back. What do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers, Jesus asked. The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. Jesus said, go and do the same. Listen, anyone can be your neighbor. You just have to be willing. So as the Good Samaritan did, go and do the same. Let's join our hearts together once more to pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the example of the Good Samaritan that we are supposed to show as well. Lord, allow us to love like the Good Samaritan did. And Jesus, allow us to be an example for your cause and for your goodness. But I pray for that to happen effectively, that we all become less so that you might become greater, Jesus. So I pray this for your honor and your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to me today. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening.